The subject for the evening talk is meditation on the impersonal. Uh, it is not unusual for us in day-to-day -day, uh, circumstances to find ourselves in a situation which is pressing uh, upon us in some way or other and there is natural human wish to share that uh, with another person. And thus we engage in speaking about personal issue with the personal storyline and with that associate or with that uh, personal uh, friend it's communicated to him or her and then she or he may respond in that way and perhaps relate from their personal experience uh, uh, their way of uh, looking and viewing the situation. And we might say appropriately that there is a, an exchange there taking place of the personal to the personal. That for some works well and, and uh, helpfully for two people to share their experiences, but sometimes uh, it doesn't. When it's speaking about the personal, it presses, so to speak, uh, recollections, if not buttons, in the other person, and one finds oneself having to listen to the other person's personal history, and that wasn't the original intention. There's also situations where, both with friends or professional fields or whatever, human being relates her or his personal experience, communicates it to another, and it isn't the task or the wish of the other to relate their personal experiences, but he or she acts as a, um, a mirror, acts as a resource for listening, and therefore in that respect, in the language I'm using here, takes a more impersonal uh, view of things, a more detached perspective on things, and this the person, the client, the yogi or whatever, may uh, appreciate. In both situations, of course, the focus is on the individual where there is personal issue taking place. It's accompanied with personal storyline and the combination is working and the intention there is to find a resolution, to resolve the problem, to end the concern there. And the natural tendency, or frequently, is to believe and think and act that the description itself of what is happening will in fact provide, through the description, the insight to end the problem. One wishes to hear something from the other person. One wishes to describe to oneself so that something in the form of an insight comes through to help dissolve, to be free from that obstruction, from that blemish, from that difficulty, from that uh, agitation or whatever it is that one is concerned with. And of course it's quite appropriate and skillful and often necessary that, as it were, two elements of awareness are shed 
upon the same issue. One element of awareness is coming from within, and the other element of awareness is coming from without, whether it's the, the, the friend or the professional or Dharma teacher or whatever. And the wish and hope is that through those two awarenesses, meeting together to look at the same thing, it can transform it. And, it, of course, that potential and possibility uh, is there. And it may be hard to know in that dynamic of what the ingredients are, what the factors are, the conditions are, that through the awareness, through the interaction, the dissolution comes. And, as we know as well, we can describe in precise, personal terms what's going on for us. The other person may be uh, listening without any personal investment, without any obstructions uh, of the mind that inter interfere and intrude into that listening. And yet, despite that, there still isn't the transformation, there isn't the dissolution. And then we find ourselves in a difficult position of constantly describing our event, our process, our problem, our abuse, our issue, or whatever, either to ourselves or to anybody else who is unlucky enough to fall within earshot. <laughs> and one wonders, why is, it, why is it still there? Why is this issue still repeating itself, yet I know all about it? And maybe, therefore, in, from the standpoint of uh, meditation and the power of awareness and observation, perhaps we need to be looking in fresh ways. And it's that which I wish to touch upon and explore uh, a little bit with you. If we take uh, 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 bodily issues initially, then I'll take um, uh, mind issues afterwards. If we take... Uh, uh, bodily issues. It obviously is apparent uh, to us that each one of us is moving through a process of life. We go through the fields of uh, birth, uh, aging, um, periods of time of, of pain, uh, death and dis dissolution. That nobody is exempt from this. There is no immortality uh, of, of the body. And whether or not you or I live a long, so-called long or short uh, life, that sequence of events is a feature and characteristic. In that sequence of events that goes on, there are, as a number of you report, as humanity reports itself, periods in which certain forms of pain arising in the body, not only arising, have some staying power, and are simply not fading away. The conditions are still prevalent. The uh, forces, uh, inwardly, outwardly, are still there. And the effect of all of that is that there is pain uh, in the body. There is sickness in the body. There is ill health with regard to organic life. Every wish, every thought, every intention that arises uh, in the mind is essentially to try to overcome it, 
to get rid of it, to dis dissolve it, to be free from it. And the view, as those pains impact upon consciousness with repetition through, through time, is that, it, as it were, the size of the pain and the discomfort in terms of one's awareness of life seems to increase. The problem grows bigger. Whether it's due to the event of the body or whether it's in fact due to the kind of relationship we're experiencing with bodily life in which there is a contact with unpleasantness, there is a description which goes with it, this is happening to me, I am suffering from, and as we know, certain words have got an immense charge in the psyche when we hear them in relationship to the body. And so the bodily event is going on, it's having an impact on the psyche. The psyche responds naturally enough with a strength of unpleasantness, if not fear, and the particular issue of one's bodily life looms larger and larger and larger. One is effectively unable to see outside it, around it, or through it because of one particular effect or structure or state of bodily life. It may be life-threatening. It may be that there is a knowledge and an awareness that this is a condition which will ultimately and, and finally uh, take one's uh, existence uh, away. And it may not. It may be something which one has to acknowledge, has to accept and live with, and it's a, lo a localized area. One part of the body. Due to conditions, is producing certain kinds of sensations. That's going on to greater and lesser degrees in various postures, various times of the day, various circum circumstances. And the mind makes something out of it. It makes a view of existence out of it. It makes a position for oneself out of it. And so the personal begins to get formed. And it becomes extraordinarily difficult to see it in anything else but narrowly and exclusively personal terms. And in the language of, this is happening to me, it isn't happening to uh, anybody else, or, well, perhaps lots of other people are having it, but I'm having it, and this is my issue, my problem, my pain, my suffering. And that view gets so set in the mind, we can't imagine another way of viewing. We're trapped and stereotyped in a personal perception. And, it, and because it's so personalized, and because the belief system of the movement of the mind is so pers personal, personalized, then we are stuck in that. To be stuck in that is hell. That is hell. 
And we say, sometimes we hear the word impersonal, and we have kind of socialized associations with it. And we think of impersonal as, as, as cold, as indifferent, as a withdrawn, uh, detached, alienated position. It's not. In these kind of uh, Dharma teachings and practices and, and languages, the in, impersonal is dissolving or freeing the reality of this is happening to me from the perception. In order for that to come clear um, to us, something about the relationship to physical pain, I'll touch on emotional pain in a minute, but something about the relationship to physical pain needs a shift. A shift of what I'm saying is from this personalized view with the personalized story in the personalized history to something which is of the order of being impersonal in its feature, in its nature, and in its experience, and to the degree it takes the problem out of the pain of life, the physical pain of life. Tendency, of course, both in language, description, and impression, is that the eye arises, it manifests in connection with, in its manifestation, it kind of drags up with it perceptions, feelings, and thoughts, and there is a solidification of the eye. Solidification of the eye easily brings about the identification, there's a push and the pull towards the pain. One identifies so strongly with the pain, one's whole value of one's life is in torment. I just heard an example of it, of it, of it, of it, of it the, of the, uh, the other day. Person has experienced a, a period of time of distressing ill health. The person doesn't know what's wrong with him. One of the symptoms of that ill, Ill health is constant diarrhea, morning, noon and night. There's a diagnosis to try to find out what the issue and what the problem is. The degree of identification with control over the body, with the body being in a state of health and acceptable, brings about, inwardly, acute embarrassment because of the diarrhea, the feeling that one's life is falling apart, suicidal thoughts that I can't tolerate uh, being uh, like this, the degree and the gulf of the reaction to the experience of ill health is born in its core out of the I identifying with the process. It needs the degree and the intensity of the identification for all that painful, distressing emotional reaction to it. And just instead of, no easy task, of bringing awareness to life, acknowledgement of it, 
recognizing it in its painful expression and form, acknowledging the movement of bodily life through its journey in existence in a clear, unambiguous, receptive and impersonal way, we take it terribly personally. And on taking things with that intensity of being personal, it's our downfall. It's our hell. In bodily life and in the relationship to that, it is necessary, as some of the instructions and the practices here speak of, of the importance and the value of the capacity to focus on the particular to see what's revealing itself in the painful dimensions of the, of the body. If in that noticing, you also notice a certain obsessing tendency. If you keep noticing within the perception a constant wish to make it better, to improve it, to have it as you would like, whatever that pain may, may be, less or dissolved or health or whatever. It might be that even though there's a natural human wish for continuity, for the sustaining of health, it might be hindering us from some point and period in our life where there is no getting better. where the circumstances of what's showing in the bodily life do not improve. They do not get better. We do not get better. We do pass out of this world having to deal with, sometimes rather brutally, as some of us will have to do, and none of us know to what degree, with life in the body which is utterly disagreeable to everything of the self. And it might be quite necessary and quite appropriate in our practices here of, of the observation, of the working and the being with as though it will never get better. As though there's no hope. As though this is it. And seeing what the outflows are from within which flow from within and outflow in relationship to painful experiences of life. These things are not easy for anyone to, obviously, to have to listen to and to absorb. And sometimes some of the realities of life are, are difficult and, and, and painful. But these are practices we're engaged in here. These, these, these are, this is facing of our existence. This is working honestly and directly with what is. And perhaps if, when, for those who are experiencing um, pain, if we give care and attention in that focused and, and diligent way, we, perhaps we can just look at pain as pain. Look at this which is going on in this field of existence right now and not see it in such personalized terms, but seeing it as pain coming out of the nature. 
pain coming out of biological existence. Pain coming out of genetic factors, hereditary factors, emotional factors, or whatever uh, it might be. But looking in more in those terms as a revelation of existence, rather than I, 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 me, 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 why is this happening to me? Deeply down, it isn't happening to you. It's happening for sure. And that shift of reducing the potency and the power of the personal and looking in more aware, sensitive, respectful and impersonal terms may be one of the keys to learning to live honestly and clearly with a truth of relative existence, changing process of bodily life. We don't have this clear with us. We may have more pain, distressing pain, either now or later in our life, because we didn't take the time and the care and the sensitivity to look at the relationship to most bodily pain in this room, for most people, in which we know that most, for most people it simply requires a short movement of a part of the body for that pain to dissolve. We know we have, for most of us, that assurance, I stretch my leg out, that pain in my knee will dissolve. But it's a privilege to have that movement. Times with areas of pain and our capacity to work with it both outwardly and inwardly, the great work of bodily work, body work that can take place, that's the outer awareness and skills which are so important, the uh, inner forms which are so important, addressing in both directions, that even in their capacity to focus and put the attention on a particular area there, itself, even with effort and concentration and determination to stay with and be with and work with, itself can become a habit. And if that habit gets any uh, strength to it, it might be that that isn't serving us either. What I mean by that is that it's also necessary to have, as we've been doing with the meditations, expanding out the field of awareness and getting so well established in a very open and grounded awareness that includes the body, includes breathing, it includes uh, listening, that in expanding and opening out that awareness so that it is very, very clear to us that pain is localized. It's in a particular place, at a particular time, in a particular uh, form. It may be in frequent places in the physical life, but nevertheless, it's somewhere, it's between head and toes. Somewhere it's in that field, and awareness isn't confined to that particular spot of existence. And that's where clear mind, steadiness of heart, a steadfastness of equanimity uh, within the uh, uh, feeling life so that one can be with what is 
and yet know and understand there is more to life than just that event in the knee or in the back or in the head or where, wherever the location may be. So our practice is to be able to accommodate and address and include locations of pain but never to exaggerate its existence. The exaggeration of it is the self in the movement. The self exaggerates it. Not of itself. And therefore our description can matter more than what is described. The very feeling and thought, the very language of the personal can be of more significance than the event which one is talking about. Sometimes bodily pain is a smaller detail than the anguish and distress and fear and worry that goes with it. And we get confused between the event and the emotive description that goes with it. If we could take out that fear, worry, reactivity, dissolve that, see more in the unfolding, impersonal nature that I said, perhaps there isn't so much pain in life, present or future, as we imagine. Perhaps human pain at the physical level isn't the problem that we really have come to believe it to be. And therefore our outer awarenesses and skills which are available, the, the inner ones, require a tremendous amount of addressing of it. In the relationship of the focused attention, the ability to focus on what's uh, showing itself, When that which isn't showing itself, we, uh, there's been um, some talk of fear, common uh, uh, feature of exploration, if we just take the, uh, the inner life for a moment. And there's the expression of fear which comes. Fear of being in the woods, fear of denied, fear of other people, fear of being alone, fear of change whatever it might be. And the fear gets related. It gets related to something which we know or something which we don't know. And it can arise and focus itself on anything in particular. And the feature of that movement where one says, I am afraid of whoever, whatever, where, wherever, can arise so quickly in terms of feeling, feeling, description and thought, one honestly believes that it is the source of the fear. She, that, whatever. That this, whatever it might be, causes me to be afraid. That it has that kind of authority and power and characteristic. 
whether it's called pain in the body or the behaviour of another human being. And we believe in it almost intrinsically. We can't imagine questioning the viewpoint. Of course I'm afraid to. Of course that makes me scared. Of course that's terri- I'm terrified of, of that or whatever. So there's a movement inside coming from history. It's connected with something in the present and I believe the truth of it, the reality of it with an unquestioning loyalty. I can't imagine that fear is just a movement that's going on from within and doesn't really, in truth, have any real relationship to object, to what I, I allege and justify I'm afraid of. And the mind it can't imagine that maybe there's just a collision of movements. One is called the object, physical in the world around, past, present or future, and the other is called a movement with it from within called fear. And they meet together, and that meet together gets substantiated in conversation after conversation after conversation, description after description after description, and thus we say, I'm living in fear. I'm always in fear. Or every time this arises, I'm, I'm afraid. And we say, maybe this link of fear with object Maybe it's very tenuous. Maybe it's just association pulling these two things together. Maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's not the reality. Maybe in this world there's nothing to be afraid of. But mind says, how can I, can I, can I find that? We need fear, people would say. If, if I didn't have fear, then, it w- then I would do stupid things. People with fear do stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> and so the mind gets, builds up views, positions, reasoning, support, so-called evidence, and all of that justification is all personal, And it's all being used to support a form of relationship which, go deep into it, is utterly unsupportable. The movement of the past, called fear, latching onto something in in the present, and we say, that has to go with that. What if we, from that movement, look impersonally at it, And just ask, does it have to be that this movement goes to this? If that's the truth, if that's the reality, then we all ought to be sharing exactly the same fears. Because that's truth. That's the reality. When I see a dog barking uh, close to me, whoever I am, then since dogs bark make me afraid, and, and that's natural, of course that should happen. Then everybody on earth who sees a dog bark should be afraid. Everybody who walks into the woods should be afraid. Everybody who goes out in the night should be afraid. Because 
the view gets consolidated through the self, fear goes with this. And sometimes there's a little murmuring of doubt. And the thought arises in this the meditation on in an impersonal light, this going to this thought does, does it have to be the case? Supposing those two movements from the outer to the inner, the inner to the outer, supposing they didn't connect. There was no meeting place within. Fear would have nothing to fuel itself on. It's utterly dependent on the regularity of making a contact with something. There's no fear by itself. It has to have an object. The object may be called that thing, whatever. The object may be called the unknown. But it requires something. It doesn't exist. It requires something to latch onto. Supposing one has a doubt about the juxtaposition, the coming together of those two. And the thought may be, why am, I, am I, why am I afraid? What is there to be afraid of? But the thought doesn't seem to have the potency to make a difference. And we can tell ourselves with mantra-like repetition, I shouldn't be afraid of this. I needn't be afraid of this. I've got no reason to fear this, or whatever. But that thought, with I, doesn't make much difference. And even if that thought's got a little bit of energy, you say, right, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to put myself through this. I'm not going to be afraid. And one puts oneself through something. One's got the willpower to do it. So often, it can be so exhausting that the next time it comes up, the same object, the fear is there, and one hasn't got the resolution left. One hasn't got the effort left. And one caves back in and says, fear is a reality, I am afraid, I can't act, I can't respond, I can't do. Teachings are not about living comfortably with fear. Teachings are about, it's Dissolution, living a life in which fear is not in association with anything on this earth. And therefore the actions come from wisdom and clarity, skillfulness, appropriateness, not born out of fear. What's going to dissolve all of that? The I thought hasn't got the potency to do it. There's no track record of all the thoughts, I shouldn't be like this, making any difference to it. So maybe things have to be addressed and looked at in ways rather unfamiliar to the I-thought. To the impersonal approach to these things. To an awareness of things which is looking differently. To look differently at existence. To look differently at circumstances which normally start triggering worry, fear and anxiety. And that looking differently 
won't come through the personalized thinking. It's going to come through some other depth of observation. To truly observe. To really stop to, and to give the full observation to looking at something carefully. We don't go into the forest because we never look at trees. We run away from creatures because we never look at them. We're terrified of our bodies because we never look at it. That which we are not intimate with, not close to, not understanding of, is a fuel for the movement of fear. It's through disconnection that fear comes. Those who live in, in a connected way have nothing to fear in this world because they're why they're living with the reality. And if we take time to really look at whatever it is where, which is uh, a so an alleged spark for fear, if we truly look at it, isn't it? Fear has nowhere to go. Because it's not connected. There's no fear in anything in this world. No fear in anything. And the, the world of sights and sounds and smells and tastes and touch do not carry fear. Do not show fear. Do not reveal fear. Do not express fear. No, no fear. And it's a bizarre human aberration of relationship through disconnectedness, through not seeing. Something goes on in the psyche. It's almost as though nature says, says to us, if you don't live deep and intimate with life, then you'll be afraid of it. And with death that goes with it. But if you live close to life and live connected with life and, and know the life of varieties of objects and you know them well you know there's nothing to be afraid of and then you know fearlessness and liberation and, in, and an enlightened existence and we have the one capacity for that realization and, dis and uh, discovery which is available to us is the power to look to really take notice of, to really take an interest in and a focus in. And if we really do that, the depth of the being will, will say to us in a, in a clear and wonderful way, where's the problem? And one knows the emptiness of problems. Because one is connected with what is. And the teachings in the various ways, with all the painfulness of it all, and the discomfort that can arise, and, and the working with that it can occur, give us and remind each one of us of this opportunity to, to be with, to work with, to observe, to uh, look into, to be deeply intimate with. 
and not to regard that so-called arising of the I-thought and all the comparing and the negative judging and the labelling or not to regard that with too much seriousness. The problems of so-called personal life are not cured through the continuity of descriptions of personal life. The cure for them is the awareness which penetrates through, through the eye, sees its emptiness. In Dharma language, there is nothing so impersonal as the eye. Look how it just arises in consciousness. Look at what the eye gets up to when you're sitting and walking and standing. Look at the flits of fantasy and projection, moods and excitement, pains and blisses that it associates itself with. I, 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 me, 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 going on in its own bizarre way. What in life could be more impersonal than that? <laughs> and yet we think through its bizarre activity and what it latches on to that somehow I am the answer to issues. Let's bring the light of awareness to it. Let's bring the potency of observation to these things. Let's understand what is meant in the teachings of Profound connectedness is the dissolution of all fear. Then all these teachings, past and present, all stand out easily and clearly. A little bit more awareness and appreciation of that interconnected, impersonal perception which has no rejection to it, no coldness, no hardness, but understands the nature in its impersonal manifestation, which perhaps pays such respect to nature in a way that I and ego never can do. Let's make all of this abundantly clear in our sitting and walking and in our silence. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings abide with penetrative insight. May all beings live a free and fearless life. Let's have our couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please? <laughs>